The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. This summer, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission, that moment when humans sojourned for the first time to a celestial body besides Earth. As host of a special exhibition over the next few months about the moon landing, we're planning a major set of events here at the museum, and in today's episode, I took the opportunity to catch up with the brains behind one of these events, Natalie Copeland, an educator here at the museum with a background in theater. We talked about inspiring curiosity in young people, the melding of science and performance in her most recent show, Rovers the Musical, yes, that's a musical about the Mars Rovers, and how a very special upcoming musical show at the Museum of Flight about Apollo 11 captures the spirit of the people involved in that mission. As an educator here, we have a lot of different types of education programs. We have things that have to do with engineering or just aviation sciences and space sciences. And space is definitely my favorite thing that we do. We have a portable planetarium that I like to take on outreach. And that is my favorite thing to do at the museum is to teach in our planetarium. Why is that? I love the stars. Um, My favorite thing is setting up the dome and laying there, testing everything, waiting for the groups to come and just having this overwhelming sense of awe and then bringing them into the dome and, you know, the sun sets and everything is gorgeous. And I take them outside of the known universe and everything is trippy and mind blowing. And I just love (laughs) giving kids small existential crises (laughs) or existential joy, as I like to say. It really just gives a whole new dimension to how big is our solar system even. Outside the museum, though, this this love of science is something that you take with you into other work that you you do absolutely yeah i kind of feel like art and science are basically just two sides of the same coin i actually didn't go to school to be a museum educator or to be a scientist i have a bfa in musical theater (laughs) (laughs) so people always ask me how i got into this job and it's it's an interesting explanation every time (laughs) but uh i try and do as much science art as i can uh, mostly science theater Yeah, so science theater is not just Mystery Science Theater 3000. Which Which is also great. Right, of course. (laughs) This seems to be a part of theater that is becoming more prominent, this melding of scientific ideas with theater. You know, a lot of people, when they think of musical theater, they think of Broadway, you know, big, (laughs) big sweeping performances like that and not some of the work you've done. (laughs) Rovers the musical. Yeah, I don't know what the trend is towards science in musical theater in general or in theater in general. I do think they've been linked probably for a really long time. Arts and sciences have in general been linked for a really long time. I mean, look at Da Vinci. This last summer, I got to 
realize a dream project of mine, uh, which was a musical that I wrote with the help of my friend on music, uh, Aaron Joshua Shea. And we wrote this musical about the Mars rovers. Um, and not just about the people who created them, but we actually anthropomorphized the rovers and uh, they live, of course, on Mars and they have this uh, this summer camp, Camp Dusty Tread, that <laughs> Spirit has kind of been in charge of. And we can pretend that they're all together and uh, it's kind of like a camp for new rovers as to how, how do you be a Mars rover? Uh, so we had a, a, a very folk music kind of feel for it and of course there's some surprise characters in there it was an amazing project to work on and it was a really great project to kind of dramaturg because I had all of these actors who were somewhat scientifically inclined or else they might not have auditioned but they it was great to have these moments where we got to talk together as a cast about uh know when did they launch and what were they in charge of and it was great to see so many people so many new people I should say getting very emotionally attached to these robots that we've built and that are representing us as our emissaries somewhere else you know it's true the the attachment that we get in real life to some of these when opportunity was oh oh, I'm seeing in your face already yep there it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I wrote this musical um before opportunity stopped working and kind of one of the main plot points was that when spirit stopped working uh she kind of created this camp to extend her mission as being a kind of a symbol to humanity and that you know opportunity is still this longest roving rover and is still out there roving and this has kind of caused them to grow apart uh and as we were performing the show right the week of opening was about when the dust storm struck and oppie stopped communicating with us which was kind of a like a we didn't know what was gonna happen so we just kept on doing the show i mean what else can you do it's too late to rewrite Uh, but now uh, more than six months after the fact it's a little a little sad it's more than a little sad it was a really great opportunity i just (laughs) opportunity it was it was really amazing to to see. I have this this problem where whenever I see my own work performed, I start crying. So mm. I definitely did that. <laughs> I just get annoyed when I listen back to these podcasts as I finish <laughs> them. Like, oh, geez. Well, it's when somebody else realizes your vision better yeah. than you ever thought they could. That's when I start to really really ball. Now Rovers is is closed. It is with. That rover's behind you as we're looking ahead to this summer here mm-hmm. in Seattle. Yeah. 50th anniversary of the moon landing. What do you have coming up? Well, the Museum of Flight has asked me as an educator uh, to work with our living history department and put on a show, as we sometimes do. We've had USO shows here in the past for uh, the winters, and we've done some other theater work. But uh, this is the first thing of its kind that we're going to be doing. We are going to be mounting a staged concert-style version of a play that was originally performed back in 2007 in the UK, written by Stephen Edwards. This musical is called Moon Landing, and it is an incredibly accurate script taken from so many different sources that follows the lives of the astronauts and their families um, and people in mission control all leading up to and then after 
the landing. We have cut this huge musical down into about 75 minutes with a cast of about nine actors all doubling on different roles and I have yet to cast it. The casting notice is up and uh, that'll be done by the end of April but I'm really excited to get to uh, direct this for the museum this summer. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm working with a really great music director named Michael Bennett, and the two of us are going to uh, work together to kind of condense this and still have the real meaty core of the piece, even though we probably won't go into what happens after they return home from Earth. Or to sit, Earth, rather. Sit in a trailer for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really... I really, what I really love about this show is that the way that Edwards has written it, it kind of goes into the mental health aspects of what is it like to be one of very few people who have been to this amazing place and what do you do next? What do you do for an encore after going to the moon? Mm -hmm. Um, We don't really have as much time to totally dig into that, uh, but the music is haunting and the score is gorgeous and it really hints at where it's going to be going. That is such an interesting question, the psychological aspect of it all. It's something that I've thought about too. I mean, these people were in their 30s. Yeah. Yeah. And been to the moon. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> what's what's next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something that I know, um, just at least from seeing the original version of the show, uh, that it seems like a lot of the astronauts struggled with. Oh, they struggled. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. Yeah. I mean, almost none of them are still married to the people they were married with at the time. Yeah. Which... In itself, I mean, there's many reasons for divorce, but right. in itself tells you a little bit of what may have been going on just in, in their lives and, and what happened afterwards. Yeah, and it's it's so intense, the process. I mean, I've, I've read a bunch of books on that subject as well. First of all, to be a person who is so hungry for what comes next and and to constantly be chasing that and then also to be in a profession where that's expected of you mm-hmm. um, it, it seems almost impossible to hold on to more than just ambition and passion which you know I am a person who's also driven by passion and wonder uh, it seems sometimes hard to imagine holding on to anything for more than just whenever it's sparking you. You mentioned Michael Collins. Mm-hmm. I hope that we get biographies, autobiographies as raw as his is. Yeah. There's such a desire amongst any human to want to control their legacy. And this is, again, I'm not calling out any astronaut specifically, but it is so easy for people to write their version of the story as opposed to and calling talk about psychology the man was the oh, he was the furthest human the only human in space or in orbit not on a celestial body right and on the far side of the moon where he was out of all public communication my favorite song from this musical is actually a kind of our like 11th hour piece right before the moon landing where it's Pat Collins, um, his wife in their local church, uh, just making this plea of like, please, God, do not make Michael Collins, my husband, the loneliest man in history by having to go back to earth without yeah. them. It's just heart-wrenching and that that secondary script that uh, Nixon has prepared 
uh, of just in case they don't come back from the moon landing mm-hmm. is just heart-wrenching to hear and to read. When will this uh, performance be here at the museum? Uh, this will be during our big uh, countdown to Splashdown week and the week before. So we have two performances on July 13th, and then we have uh, one on July 19th and one on July 21st. For the exact times, you're probably going to want to catch the website, but we have some available to the public during the day and some that are part of evening events. Mm-hmm. And all of the daytime events are included with ticket admissions. So. Yeah. There's no extra tickets. Just come to the museum and check it out. Just like all of our public programs are always included. Yeah, the tickets to Stephen Edwards' moon landing um, will be free, included in whatever event you're already participating in. Natalie, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, same, Sean. I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Me too. Thank you for tuning in to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. Check the Museum of Flight's event calendar to learn more about our special offerings this summer and all year round. To be honest, there's rarely a week that goes by that we don't have some special speaker or panel or other program here at the museum. And as I mentioned before, the Museum of Flight is hosting Destination Moon, the Apollo 11 mission, a state-of-the-art traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian Institution. Featuring the iconic Apollo 11 Command Module Columbia and 20 one-of-a-kind artifacts, many flown on the historic mission, Destination Moon shows why we went to the moon, how we got there, and the impact that the moon landing had on the world. If you like what you heard, please rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumofflight.org. You can find links to our calendar, to information on Destination Moon, or anything else I've mentioned on our website, museumofflight.org slash podcast. And until next time, this is your host, Sean Mobley, saying to everyone out there on that good earth, we'll see you out there, folks. <laughs>